you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Kiriaki. That's me. Thank you for joining me on She's All Over the Place. Today we have Amanda Lanker Doyle. CSA is a self-proclaimed treasure hunter, obsessed with all things shimmery and bright. She has dedicated her life to the hunt for gems, jewels, and actors. An award-winning casting director, Amanda has been working in film and television casting for over 17 years. In 2022, her short film, Please Hold, was nominated for an Academy Award in the Live Action Short Film category. Some additional favorite credits today include R, Hashtag J, A Romeo and Juliet Story, which swept Sundance and South by Southwest in 2021. Film, We Broke Up, streaming now on Hulu, Blackish and The Muppets for ABC, Zach and Mia for Netflix, and Wayne streaming now on Prime. I love the TV show Wayne. Oh my gosh, it's so good. In addition to working as an independent casting director and producer, Amanda served as the treasurer and as an executive board member of the Casting Society of America for seven years and is now serving as the director of casting relations at tech startup Castability, where she is thrilled to have a new venture to showcase and source actors. Amanda believes that every actor should have an opportunity to shine and she can't wait to see what beautiful gems she digs up. Amanda, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. It's really nice to be here with you. And if I must say, you are a beautiful gem yourself. So thank you for who you are, what you're doing. I'm just really happy to be here with you and have a great conversation. That is so sweet. Thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate that, especially in this crazy time that we're all <laughs> existing in, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's life, you know, and, and that's like she's all over the place too. So we'll, we'll definitely go all over the place. But um, let's talk about where are your roots? Where do you come from? Okay, yeah, that's a that's a great question. I um, I was born in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, and grew up in the Midwest. Um, I went to Ohio University and moved out to Los Angeles when I graduated with my group of friends that I had met at OU in 2006, uh, and I lived in LA for almost 15 years and moved to Atlanta in January of 2021, mid pandemic, because I had a two and a half year old at the time. And I it was wild times. And so you know, I started in LA in commercial casting. And then my first job in theatrical casting was on uh, the first six of The Walking Dead, the pilot in the first six episodes of The Walking Dead, which they shot like a film. And then I worked for that office for almost a year and then moved into a comedy office that I was in for seven years. Then I partnered and had uh, with Chrissy Fiorelli Ellington, was with her for almost five years. And now I'm on the ground in Atlanta doing independent film for the most part on my own. Wow. Yeah. There's so many nuggets um, within your journey. One, I love Columbus, Ohio. I've been there uh, a couple of times. I love, (laughs) and you and everyone probably knows like the hot topic, Matt Reif, and he's from Ohio. So, um, you know, the comedian Matt Reif, right? I don't actually, I don't know Matt Reif. Is that, am I, it was something that's, that's crazy of me. I feel like a bad casting director. Oh, (laughs) no, not at all. Not far before Antino. She's an amazing casting director as well. She's the one that turned me on to him, but um, Matt Reif, he's from Ohio, like not too far from where you're from. So, 
I'll I'll have oh to gosh, send you I the go link. To school with him? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's crazy. R I F E. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll I'll send you his links. But he has uh two. He he couldn't get a, a stand up special, and so he made his own, and he released it on YouTube. He has he has two now, but he always talks about Ohio a lot. And uh, I'm from Michigan, oh, that's so. so funny. Yeah, I'm from um, outside Detroit. So I, I like grew up coming to Ohio and I, I love it there. Um, So moving right along, uh, where did you go to school? I went to Ohio University and down in Athens, Ohio, and like the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. There was a, a really great film program. Uh, so I was a communications major with, I got my BSc in communications. I was a film with a, a you know, a focus in film production. And then I minored in classical civilizations and theater. And and I met a really incredible group of people when I was going to school there. And we all moved out to LA together, essentially in 2006. We made a film together in college and everyone kind of like slotted themselves into these, you know, each position. And in college on that film that we did together, I was the casting director. And that was kind of identified by one of my friends um, who became, he was our producer and he's now a working producer. And he identified in me at the time. And that is what I pursued because... I really liked it. It made a lot of sense for me. Well, that was a pivotal question I was wondering was, because unless you know about voiceovers, which I do, or casting director, you don't even know that's a title or a job, you know? So I was going to say like, how did you pivot? And, but it seems just through your education, your circumstances and choices, you fell into it. Like, or, you know, so can you just share about how that experience was for you? Like, oh, I'm I'm a casting director or like, oh, I like this role. I'm taking it on. Like, how, how was that for First initial root process for like a young entrepreneur who's listening, no matter what the age or gender, but if they're listening, like, like, what was that intuitive hit? Like, were you in tune with your choices? Like what happened for you um, that like led you on your path? Yeah, it was really so John, like, came up to we were prepping to do we had done a bunch of short films together we all knew each other like everyone in the, the school of theater knew each other well I knew everyone in the school of theater because I was a theater minor I wasn't able to do main stage shows at the time so I really I was stage managing for them over in the school of theater and the school of theater at OU is right next to the school of telecommunications and so we were like constantly interacting with each other and I was a TCOM major and I had met all of like these incredible people in the school of TCOM that were really focused on film production and we had made so so many short films together. And I was always kind of like an extra producer or something. And, and we were approaching making this big film, we're going to shoot it over the course of our winter intersection, I think we called it at the time, but it was like an extended winter break. And so we decided to shoot the film in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains in winter in Ohio, and it was so cold. But as we were approaching, brutal, uh, like, yeah, really? so terrible. But as we were approaching, John was like, you know, Amanda, you're like, you know, everybody in the school of theater, you know, we've cast some of these roles ourselves, but we could really use somebody who can identify in the students who would be the best for each of these like outstanding roles. So would you like to be the casting director on this project? And I was like, Oh, that sounds like something that makes sense for me. Because I know everybody yeah. over there, you're right. You know, I have, I haven't been able to do shows with them as an actor, but I have been stage managing and I have been like really intimately like watching them do their thing over there. So yeah, that sounds great. And I did it on that film and I liked it so much that I was like, you know what? I think this is something I could pursue because it seems like a, a nice hybrid between my type A, super type A personality and producing and being an actor, you know, and I got to work very closely with the actors 
in that process. And I thought that that was essentially what it was going to be like going forward. I mean, we were making things up as we went, but that's how it happened for me. And, you know, as I've discovered myself in this process of like working through everything, I, I find that I had done it naturally, just like instinctually coming up, like as I when I read novels, uh, I cast them in my head with with real life actors, so that I have someone to see while I'm reading. And I, I kind of paint the picture of what's happening in my head while I'm reading it. So I mm-hmm. assign actors to the books that I'm reading as I'm reading them. And I've done that my whole life. Thank you for sharing that vision and process. I think it's so important. And I mean, we're just getting started, but I'm just so intrigued with your fabulous mind. And you know, online, you only see so much. And then there's, you know, the other things that happen. But from what I've gathered, and what I'm hearing you say with theater and communications, and being a people person, and just interested in how you've, you know, been on the board and in your part, uh, you know, seven years with uh, CSA, we'd love to talk about that some more, you get involved in community and with people and a lot of people in today's society isolate, you know, we hear about acting classes and getting involved in community and what are some healthy tools to actually, you know, onboard and do that when some people are really isolated in that way. Because, you know, I see you and I admire those skill sets that you innately have, you know, just being in your circumstances that you were taught, you know, but a lot of people don't have those healthy habits and qualities. So maybe we can dive in because, you know, your personal affects the business and the business, you only can go so far with your business if your personal isn't straight. So what are maybe some tools of, you know, on a personal level, when the choices and it's probably just second nature for you, or maybe you do know, these are some quality tools that you learn along the way to be able to connect and sustain relationships with people because as an independent human and casting director, it can feel very alone and isolating and jumping from one thing to another. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I've been having so many conversations with actors right now. And you know, the biggest thing that I think everyone is missing is that sense of community, right? Like the the person to person situation that we haven't been able to really have in this time because of the pandemic and because of like everything that's happened and everyone's kind of going wherever they go, they have to go to make their lives work. And it's just a different environment than what we came up in and what we're used to. I I like to call that the before times. I've been working really hard to find community both on the ground here and also like virtually. And I didn't realize how much I needed that community until I got pulled back into it, essentially. My friend and former partner Chrissy Fiorelli reached out to me at one point when I, I landed here and was like, listen, there's a couple actors that I know that are have moved to Atlanta as well from Los Angeles. And, you know, they're putting together this, this really impromptu, casual actors, they're calling it the actor jam and, and they're meeting, you know, whenever. And I just want to connect you with these actors just to see if, you know, you might vibe with them. And I don't know, maybe it would be fun to go and and watch. And I was like, that's so nice. Thank you. And so I went to the first one and I, they made me, (laughs) they made me do like a scene, like a cold scene. And I hadn't done that in, you know, 20 years. And I was like, I just didn't realize how much I missed it, you know, and I didn't realize how much I missed mixing with people in a physical space in that capacity, right? Like I, and what occurred to me, you know, after the first session, and then the second session, and like, you know, we're we're doing I'm going as much as I can, I have a kid, so it's kind of hard. But I realized that 
we're all like theater people at heart. And there was like a basic need to be around our fellow like humans and not, you know, in an inappropriate way, but like to touch other people, like there's like a visceral, like a real tangible thing that, that was missing, you know, sitting in your office and being on zoom, like literally all day long and then standing up and you know, going to bed or whatever is just <laughs> so, it is so isolating. You're like, what should I do? Yeah. 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 And at one point I was just like, I just need to go like get a coffee at a coffee shop just to be around other human beings, you know? So I think finding any, any opportunity to participate for actors in this moment in like the live theater space or like to do just get together and read a play or do some sort of just just work together in this moment did so much for my soul that I think I just I want to encourage people to to just find that community for themselves because it is um it kind of filled me back up and, and brought me back to stasis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, and one thing I'm hearing in there as well is accepting the invitation. Like it might not be, you don't know, but if, if there's a hint or a clue of a sign, even if it's an online invite, but if you get invited by someone, by the power of yes, it may not be the thing or it might be the thing, but it could lead you to a more of unraveling just to be open to new possibilities. Because when we're isolated and stuck, it's it's hard and paralyzing to take certain steps to to get connected in a way. So you know, you were um, open to the invitation that came to you with that one specific thing. So thank you for sharing that. It's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, it and it's hard to, it's hard to keep saying yes too, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, that was so great. And then your life gets, you know, ahead of you and you're like, okay, well, I know, oh, they're doing it, you know, they're doing it tomorrow. Should I, I can't go. I don't know if I can go, I, you know, and then just like committing to doing it for yourself, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. As a part of your, you know, for lack of a better term, like self-care regime in this, or, you know, regiment in this time. Like yeah. it is, it's really, I think it was more, it's more important than I think I realized certainly. Yeah. The other thing I'm I'm hearing also is like, even though we say yes one time and we may say yes a couple times, it may be that turnkey that opened it up. But then we have to make sure we're not just saying yes to overextend ourselves because then we can't say yes to other things because we can't say yes to everything. It gets overwhelming. You have a family and a, a child, you know, maybe they had an initial yes in that commitment, but then check in with ourselves with the commitments um, and what we're committing to for that balance. And it's it's ongoing. It, it's, a, it's a nonstop process. Process, just like TVs and movies and documentaries. And I mean, so I've seen you've been, you know, so you did the student films, uh, projects, you were a casting associate on many projects, you've done documentaries and TV shows. And so it's like a whole platter of being a casting director and producer. Um, I want to say which one thrives your soul the most, but they probably all do in their own ways. But you know, what are some yes options for you when a project comes like aesthetically, the quality of, you know, your morals and values, intentions of the vibe, the aesthetics of the project? Like, how do you decide as an artist, as a human being, I want to be aligned with this, because it's going to be not only for my resume, my career, but also it's going to affect my personal my home life, because I'm going to be living with this yes, baby, because sometimes what a short is how long and then a feature film can or a TV show can be how long. So um, what is your process of uh, yes and no baselines for you? That's a really interesting question too. You know, I think it's taken me a long time. I'm almost 20 years in and it's taken me a long time to get to a place where I feel comfortable saying no um, to things. And I still feel like I need to find a kind way to pass on things. And I, I think that's important in general, but also it's very difficult for me to pass on things. 
and mostly because of the trauma of coming up and feeling like I don't, I wasn't able to curate my, you know, my resume in any capacity, because I had to say yes to everything. And I had to say yes, regardless of how much they were paying me, regardless of like the content that I was being involved in, regardless of everything, because I felt like, you know, I think it was like this for my generation, certainly, and, and actors too, that came up with me, if we didn't say yes, then they would just give it to the next person who was right in line behind me for $5 less or free, and they would be happy to be there. And so put on a smile and just do it, or you're never going to work in this town, essentially, was the vibe. So I feel really lucky to finally be in a position to be able to say, you know, this is the kind of project I want to work on, because this is the kind of art I respond to. So I feel like it's very recent that I've been in a position to kind of curate the work that I'm saying, yes to. You know, opportunity for casting for my generation is very limited. Um, we have to fight for jobs just like, you know, you guys do in a way. And it's it's a really, it's a really interesting time for us. So, but I still have found myself feeling confident in saying no to projects that don't speak to my artistic like just don't speak to me artistically or saying no on a in a situation where I don't necessarily vibe with the people that are making it. I think that's an important thing to be able to, you know, do in this in this moment going forward as well, because, you know, I'm working with them as much as they're working with me. And I think it's really important. I kind of I'm in this place where I just don't want to do this anymore unless it's with people that I really respond to you know, mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. I really like that I really get along with because I've worked for some really toxic people in the past. And I, yeah, and I, you know, I've gotten through it, obviously, but it did, it did, uh, it did a lot to me, you know, and I'm, I'm a girl from the middle of Ohio, I've been told my entire career that I'm too, I'm too meek, I'm too nice, I'm too whatever. And, you know, and I, I've been, I've tried to be very fair my entire career. And I found that the fairness that I've felt, I felt that I needed to move forward with did me a disservice. And I, I'm just in this place where I'm like, I don't like that anymore. You know, I don't, I, I felt like I got to a point before the pandemic, I think, where I was feeling like I had to like, <laughs> this is like, to throw bows, you know, throw elbows, you know, to like get the work that I wanted. And to, I had to really like not backstab, but it felt like if you don't backstab, you've been backstabbed. So if you don't backstab too, then you're not going to make it. And it was like survival of the fittest. It was like fight for your life. And I, that's not my energy. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't want to do that anymore. You know, I don't want to ever yeah. have to be in a position to have to do that again. So I know exactly what you mean. I mean, you're bright, you're beautiful, you're educated, you come from great values, you make great choices with, you know, friendships, like a community for and you're married, you, you have and then the, the opposite is everything you just shared. And we feel taken advantage of, we feel completely taken advantage of, and we go against everything that we want to our heart and our soul, because we feel like we have to because of that fight for what we do crave and what we do want. That was then. Now you come, and then there's some saying like, you know, people only treat us how we allow them to treat us. So we learn mm -hmm. wisdom and nuggets along the way. Hence this show being a ripple effect, one person at a time for whoever's tuning in to not take it anymore or make sure when they start on their journey to, you know, have certain standards. And how do you do that when you don't have the experience, right? So, I mean, there's the dichotomy of, 
okay, if you take someone who is a, they call them the nipple babies or nipple babies, or it's like, okay, if you're like someone's son or daughter, like you don't have to do certain things because you, you know, you're already at a certain place where, you know, it just seems more relaxed and comfortable, but every person has their own journey. So the grass is greener on the other side. But then there's a place when you come from Ohio or wherever, where most people don't come from trust funds or multi-million dollar, you know, statuses inherited to them. And, you know, there's the majority who are fighting the good fight to still have their integrous nature with the morals and values and, and earn a resume and not feeling that we have to take anything because from the actor perspective or the artist perspective, like I just got an, an NDA for an audition that I went out for and I'm like, yo, does that mean I booked it? They're like, just sign the NDA. I didn't ask that, but I'm thinking it, you know? And it's like, like, I'm just jumping at it. And I'm, you know, like you two decades into my career, but it's that innate spark of nature to still, yes, want to jump and be a part of it. And we, we want to do it. But then there's that process in between of what you'll tolerate, who you want to be around, not being around toxic culture and not feeling like you have to you know room and go so fast like I was you know just on with the voiceover casting director and she said something similar to what you just said so I want to echo the ripple which was the casting director gets it she gives it to like her five top agencies and but then the turnarounds 24 hours later and then the in-between of of us is the agent who gives it to the client the talent and then you know they have to get it back but then the voice the casting director may give it to a couple more agencies and then so the talent's wondering do I do it right away or do I do it on the deadline do I do it right away to hear because they might hear some other agencies it's like you're jumping through all these hoops and we don't want to jump through these hoops and you feel like there's a bigger better deal and there's that rush of you know, the prefrontal cortex shuts down and we're in fight and flight and you got to like get on with it. And so now with the the labor laws and, and where we are now, right? And so people are speaking up. I feel personally, you know, I came to Hollywood at the end of 2001. I felt so separated from the casting directors. And so I'm speaking from then to so we can shift to now. But I went in and I was with all these amazing casting directors, but it was like a desperation, insecurity. Do they like me? And it's like, the managers and agents like if they keep calling you back or bringing you right to the producers they like you and, and casting directors would vocalize and this was before social media you know we want you to win we want you to win but i didn't understand that there wasn't the language and i feel you and you know um some other highlighted casting directors have explained in such a way through social media you know how you want us to win and how we're on the same team and we're fighting the same good fight and really coming together in unity I'm getting a little chills here, but before it wasn't communicated. So, you know, by communication and by the ways we communicate and the way people, you know, receive the perception can really break down and make a clear path for understanding. So I really applaud you on your voice and your tenacity and your faith and your hope and sticking to your roots of who you are and what you stand for and understanding in this independent world as a human and in this industry as independent as it can be, not only from project to project, but within a team of how we all work together, producers, casting, and um, actors, and talent, and more, your assistants and things I don't know about. What are some mandatory principles for you that you want to share and that you speak of that are like really highlighted and important for being right now in 2023? Mandatory principles, you mean like, expand on that? Like, what do you what do you mean specifically? In, yeah. in regard to what I look like in for like what I need from the actors right now? 
when we first started how it was two decades ago and mm-hmm. I had that disconnect of casting directors and it was just like a, a, a something you heard that, oh, casting directors want you to win. We're on the same team. But the way it's communicated now, like, oh, we are on the same team. What are ways you as a casting director when because you naturally do it. So you're just like online speaking up and just saying the truth, which is authentic. So I guess like one thing is just being authentic, but the way that you are, because it's just who you are. So you don't even know that you're you're doing it. You're just doing it. Yeah. You communicate you communicate in such a way where it's transparent, where you're you're sharing and you're being vulnerable to let us know like what you're growing through and and how it is on your side. So I guess, how is it on your side in 2023 being a casting director and connecting with actors, agents, you know, people in the industry? Yeah. Okay. I understand. Yeah. It's, it's, um, (laughs) it's, you know, I spent a lot of time on the board and when, when you're in a position like that, there's a lot, you know, I was an executive and there was like a big liability in regard to some some of the things we were able to say and do, right? So we were, it just became very clear, very fast. And when I first started, I interviewed at William Morris and it was before it was William Morris Endeavor. And I interviewed to be an assistant, obviously. (laughs) And at the time I had to interview first with the HR guy. And then he sent me to the desk um, of the agent that I was supposedly going to potentially work for. He, for it, well, (laughs) this is like a funny story, but first I had to take a typing test on like an old school, like very archaic, PC computer. And I passed that. Okay, fine, great. And then I had to take a grammar test on the same computer. It was like literally like programmed in like C++ or something. It was like hilarious. Then I went in and I talked to this guy. And one of the things he said to me was like, what's the first rule in Hollywood? And I was like, I don't know what. And he's like, confidentiality. And I was like, okay. And he's like, you're super green, but you can go meet with her. And I was like, what's that mean? (laughs) You know, Um, but confidentiality, right? And so he scared the shit out of me. You know, he was like, don't ever say anything ever. And then, you know, I got to a place where I was, you know, an associate and I was teaching classes and I really enjoy teaching. I love teaching. I, I think working with actors like one-on-one and like, that's the the beauty. And that's, it brings me back to my roots of performance and direction and all of that jazz. And I'm really good at that. But then there was a moment when like, I feel like maybe I said something that like I shouldn't have said, but in regard to like a role that was coming down the pike or something, like I gave, I I said something and then somebody got caught wind of that. And they were like really upset that I had like mad at me. And it was like, you know, my job was at risk and and it was so silly. It was not anything. It was not a big deal at all. That's why I probably said it because I was obviously so scared already about the confidentiality of it all. So I think, you know, that really scared me straight. And then, you know, I was on the board for seven and a half years or seven years, almost seven years. And I wasn't able to say anything or it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable or positioned to be able to interact with actors to that degree. I worked in offices that physically blocked me out of like conversing with the filmmakers and the actors that we were working for. And I finally am in a position where I don't feel, I mean, I feel like even in this time, I feel like I I know some of my colleagues are judging me for some of the things that I for the fact like putting myself out there, they're judging me for sure. Yeah, we're traumatized by that idea that like, we can't say anything we can't you know the agents have kind of treated us over the years like we can't be friends with the actors we can't directly (gasps) communicate with the actors oh yeah and so to have a direct line of communication with the actors is very is almost like frowned upon 
And so I just, I'm at a, I'm at a place in my life where I just don't care anymore. <laughs> you know, two, I don't care things. what oh, they God. say, <laughs> you know, oh, two things. One, Grace McLean, great actor in New York, Broadway, the queen, bad Cinderella had her on. She said something similar to you. She was like talking about like how she's like befriending all these casting directors. I'm like, Oh really? Cause it was like an unspoken rule. But I felt like when I was in Hollywood, like I couldn't, like Barbara Forentino, we follow each other on um, Instagram and like some casting directors follow me, like hard hitters who like, you know, from back in the day. And, but I felt like, am I like, is it okay? Like, is it breaking a rule? Like you, there's like this invisible line where you feel like you can't connect in that way and you want to. And then I remember some of the older casting directors who are more like mom or grandma types who were like old school. It was like, traditional like you don't go to them but like so, there were some that are like young and cool where it's like yo like I would invite this person to a show or like connect and like you know what I mean so I it was the first time I heard her say that like oh actors are friends with casting directors like what have I been doing and and, and then you just said it too and it's so it's like it's so cool to hear that like we can be friends with the casting directors it, it, it may seem ironic but it's like actors are friends with actors casting directors are friends with casting directors and you're on the board of uh CSA for seven years and you're in the casting society. So yeah, okay, you have a lot. So you probably have even more casting director friends because some of them are probably just like befriending you for political reasons or because you're on the board. Like, so you don't even know like who's really your friend, but but to have someone who actually really want, and then some, some actors or some people just want to be your friend, you know, like you have to like check in like authenticity, like why are they really wanting to be my friend? But sometimes there's like a connection there, but even me and I'm, I'm a butterfly, social butterfly and I'm, I'm open and in depth, but but I would be isolated and paralyzed and confused to like not cross that line because you don't want to get in trouble, you know? So it's great to yeah. hear. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the key word is get in trouble, right? Like <sighs> it's coming up in Ohio being like this. I'm like a good girl. Like I don't do things that get me in trouble, right? And it was very clear to me early on in my career that I was not too, it just didn't seem like the appropriate thing to do. And then it was it was almost frowned upon. And, and I felt like, and the agents get really mad about it. And I think it's a control thing. You know, I think it's like, they feel like if we are friends with you, then we'll go directly to you and cut them out. And, you know, sure, maybe that happens sometimes. But like, also, I've never been in a position to not be respectful of a rep. Like if you have a rep, and you want your rep to be involved, that's the, the other problem is like, that's the actors, the actors should have the autonomy to understand that they hired the rep to represent them. And they the representative is working for them. So you know, there's this control situation going on and, and, fear. and fear and it's like, you know, and all of that, I'm just like, I just don't, I don't care about their, I don't know, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I've been getting myself in trouble all day today. I just keep talking about things I shouldn't be talking about, but, but no, but see, but that's, that's what it's like. I, I don't, I'm, I'm just, ugh, I have to talk myself into saying things because I'm so traumatized by like oh, well, let's the take idea deep of not being able to say anything. Yeah. Well, let's just take yeah. a deep breath because those there's a, like a famous say, saying like those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. And what you're saying is pulling yourself out from doing those things that you don't want to do and being sucked in to these toxic rules and um, false control powers because true power doesn't have those tight games going on because 
if a agent is doing their job and they're doing what they need to do in their lane, they don't need, they'll be so secure within themselves that their talent isn't going to go behind their back. And if they do, they need to check in with themselves because we talked about this at the beginning of the show. What happens in your personal affects your business. What happens in your business affects your personal. So if if agents or whoever uh, are worried about talent jumping around, they don't have a loyal client and they need to check in with their own roster. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility, my responsibility, our responsibilities as humans are to show up and say the truth. We're not responsible of how you take the truth, my truth, you know, and that's why we're independent. But the thing is, there's evolution and there's change. And I've been involved in blockchain technology since 2018 and NFT since 2021 and AI. And before half of Hollywood knew this was coming, like we we all knew it in blockchain and Web3. Like we all knew like all this was happening. Film3, Web3, blockchain, writers, producers, you know, coming on, me educating certain uh, casting directors and people about blockchain technology and showing them the new tools and the people who are building in the space. It's the ones who hold on to the energy that you don't see, but you feel and know and the toxic culture, work culture and beliefs. I just got chills. The toxic work culture and beliefs, those are being demystified. No matter if people like them or not, the ship is going to gonna go and you're gonna see what ship people are on. And we can't control it all. We just can't control it. Like you have a family, we're individuals. We can be the ripple effect one person at a time and be integrous with our choices and be mindful and just keep distance. We know who's difficult, who's our friends, who's not our friends, who we think, you know, we can show up 10 years and be like, yo, I thought, you know, we've known each other. It's not about how long you've known someone. You can know someone for like a day and be like, yo, this person's more real than everyone I know, you know? So it's sometimes we put the length on how we know someone or by association of how we know someone, you know? So I feel ya, I feel ya. Uh, hopefully some of this resonates. I'm just speaking from from my own soundboard here. These are these are my words, just, you know, sharing, caring and, and relating, you know, cause uh, 20 years is a long time from then and, and where we are now, but you hit upon a, a great point, you know, with human connection, being isolated, connectivity, and how we can relate to one another and these rules, what you just said, like I'm from Ohio, I don't want to be in trouble. But that's what we're taught sometimes when you're a female, be the good girl. So what's mm-hmm. that new baseline in, in today's world? Right. Yeah. And it's like, I'm just over that. You know, I'm over the idea that I'm going to be upset by the perception that someone doesn't like me in some capacity anymore, or that they I'm trying to get to a place for myself where I'm, I'm stopping the that thought process of like, putting something on somebody else and suggesting to myself that I'm either in trouble or unliked because of something that I'm perceived like the my perception of their perception of me. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's hard to do though when you've been in a position to feel that for so long. But yeah, you know, thank you for recognizing first of all that I have been making an effort to do that, you know, publicly. Like I said that to my friend Rich the other day. I was like, you know, I I just don't I obviously put myself out there in a way that I never have before in the past few years. And I really enjoy it. I really enjoy having direct relationships with actors. That's why I got into it to begin with. You know, I really enjoy like the communication and the, you know, just talking things out and like figuring things out together. And that you can't do that without community. And you, you are, you guys are our community. So it's, I feel much better. 
Like, I feel like I'm finally understanding why I essentially tortured myself for the last 17 years. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it is. This is the payoff, right? Having being able to have authentic relationships with you guys who are who are so magical, right? And it's like, that's why I got into it. So here we are. You have you have the courage. You have the courage. You have so much courage, and you're being authentic by speaking your voice. Oh gosh, I mean, I could just go off in a million directions, but you have the courage, and the people who are judging wish they had your courage. And you know, it's just by nature that we see someone, and within you know the first like you know second, it's yes or no. It's yes or no. Like it's boom. We we judge in the first three seconds. It's just a vibe. Mm -hmm. It's that intuitive hit. It's in your intuition and you just know it's if we follow that or not and most and you are and the more you do like you said like it's kind of like being a navy seal like you go through the torture you know and i think it's like the it was like a for every navy seal that's trained it's it costs like a hundred thousand dollars for their boot camp training oh my gosh and so it's like you go well you went through 20 uh years two decades of your training and now it's like, this is my newfound baseline. And this is, these are my boundaries. And this is the level of respect. And this is what I'm going to contribute to pay it forward for the next generations to come and how we are now. You're raising the bar. And most people don't have the courage that you have. And I mean, like, I mean, you look like you're 22. You're just, you're just so spunky and cute and like beautiful. So, I mean, you have this energetic spirit this fire in you that's yours and it's your gift and people will no matter what they will no matter what try to pick at you and say things every which way people pleasing it'll never be enough it's it's very heady the the perception of the perception of the perception you know so we do our prayers we do our meditations we we do the the best that we can do but what you said is so important right and it's connecting the head and the heart it's connecting the body and the mind because in your mind you can be so connected to your body but once you connect to your body um, then you can make those authentic choices a hundred percent. I feel that so strongly. You know, an actor asked me the other day, what's the most important thing you've learned in all of your time? And I said, setting boundaries for myself and real boundaries that like are that I'm standing behind and, and not allowing, you know, hopefully like protecting myself basically from that energy. And I, I too think I heard something else, which is just like so great. It's like grounding yourself in your body. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I just feel like I've been floating and, you know, jumping from one thing to the next. And it's been so like, okay, well, okay, I just have to, I have to do this because I have to get this and I have to, I have to make money and I have to do as much as I can and I have to survive and I have to survive and I have to survive. And then the pandemic hit Mm. and it was like, okay, now everyone needs to stop. And it was almost a relief. Oh yeah. Like it was like, oh, thank God. Okay. Now I can breathe settle into myself, think about what, like what just happened, right? Because it was like nonstop from the second I got to Los Angeles, it was hustle. It was like, and you know, and I was like, for me, it wasn't toxic. It was, I, I'm ambitious. Fun. Yeah. It was, fun, right. It, it You're was having fun. Mostly fun. Yeah. yeah. Mostly fun. <laughs> um, but it was just like this hustle and it was yeah. like, there's no time for family. There's no time for whatever, blah, blah. I mean, you know, working from 7am until two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. One time I worked until during pilot season one year, I worked until three o'clock in the morning for ABC. I was on two ABC pilots. I put in for overtime 
and I got a call from, I'm going to get myself sued. I got a call from the guy at ABC who was running payroll and he was like, do you really think you deserve to be paid overtime for that when you're working on two shows for ABC? And I was like, yeah, I worked until three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. On that show, not the other one. I didn't put in for overtime on the other one. I worked until three o'clock in the morning on that show. And then my bosses got in trouble for me putting in overtime. Mm. And it's just like, right. you know, I don't know. It was so wild. And I was just like, just, and by the way, they finally said yes to paying me and I got the check and it was like $60. Oh my gosh. And I was just like. It's the principle. It's the principle. Yeah. But it's like, I'm so, I was so relieved when all of that came to us like a, like a halt. And it was just like, nope, nobody can do it anymore. You, everyone needs to just sit still for five minutes and think about what you've done. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, uh, start breathing again and come back to yourself. And it gave us time to like, to write, to try to write everything. Right. And then we came back with a vengeance and it was like chaos. And now we're in another moment of clarity. I feel. And we're going to come out of this and hopefully move forward in a capacity that makes more sense. That's more organized. That's calmer. That's nicer. Mm. You know, that's yeah. better for everyone. So that's my hope for the future. I love that. And when you say everyone, I mean, I would really like to extend everyone, not just yeah. everyone in the industry, everyone on the planet. Like yep. it is really humbling humanity from the greed and the the toxic the toxicity in this world it's really it's gonna level it out to a certain degree I mean I know we don't have time to get into too many details on percentages and what things are being asked but thank goodness gracious for that interim agreement oh my gosh and Fran Dresser she really woohoo love love her voice she really pulled through oh my gosh we were like <laughs> screaming we were literally oh. watching it and my husband and I were like screaming <laughs> like oh my oh. God. I was texting with my writer friend she's like oh, Fran and I was like I know she was exactly what you guys needed in that moment and I don't know if anybody else would have been able to do it like she did. Her passion was so necessary um, to motivate your community. And I, it's, she motivated all of us. She, she's like, she didn't hold back. And I think that that is exactly what we all needed, you know, to mm -hmm. see mm -hmm. someone not holding back. Someone yeah. so furious at where, where, where the state of the union, you know what I mean? And I think that we need that politically too. Like, obviously we don't have time for that today, but like, unfortunately, you know, the actors are the ones that are, are leading the charge to make these big changes that we're talking about in the industry. And I'm just so grateful to you and everyone, once they hear about all the different issues across the board, and when I say everyone, I mean, actors, they're so empathetic you know, and they're so, they're like, wow, okay, well, we didn't realize that. And I'm like, well, I didn't realize that. And we're like, oh my gosh. And you're right. It brings us back to what we were talking about before, which is if we just have an open line of communication with each other, if we have a dialogue with each other, then it wouldn't, it probably wouldn't have gotten to this place. Yeah. I yeah. have chills. And I, I love what you're saying because out of everything you're saying and like, you know, with the, with the casting directors and, you know, the producers and the writers and the, the talent and now the VFX department, they created a union, you know, like 51 or 56 people created a union. And by Solidarity, by Fran, by all of really, I mean, coming together and being community is like when we started the conversation, how I was just mind blown by your communicative skills and the way that you lead and the interpersonal connections that I can just see from online, but they just seem so like vibrant, spirited and healthy. But it's like someone like you who has that innate nature when you come to an industry like this or any industry, you're taught to remove those skills 
to abandon those skills that are healthy for humanity, for human connection, for community to connect. And then we have a mental well-being crisis, isolation. So the time of us really coming together isn't just some cliche thing of us like coming together for real. We're living through this movement of really coming together to unite those invisible energies to demystify those false powers so we can you know, rise together in a healthy way. And we feel like if we're protecting those certain people or that we're going to lose out, we feel that we're going to suffer and lose. But really, we're just on a long path of more suffering and don't have that foresight to see it. But by breaking the generational like trauma of toxic work culture and and human Mm -hmm. connection, By being brave with your voice and doing what you're doing is being a part of the raising tides. And when you hear Fran Drescher's voice, like, I mean, she has a unique voice and you're like, yo, her voice is so unique. And everyone couldn't like figure it out. Like, okay, it's fine. She had a show. Like it's Fran Drescher. She came, she went, she's now a president. Like people don't know they go on with their lives, but you knew, you knew, I knew like people know, like, she has this, and like, I'm in voiceover. So it's like, but she has this thing about her quality of voice. They say the like all the celebrities like are the movie stars. What is it that makes a movie star? They say, from what I've heard, maybe you know this, but it's the quality of their voice. It's their voice. And she's always had this mm-hmm. thing with her voice. I knew it was something. I had no idea it was what you would probably say that gem. It was that gem of a, that gem, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. I feel like, I've never actually heard anyone say that, like what makes a movie star is like the quality of their voice. But I often say to actors, like, I don't care what it is that you upload so that I can hear the tenor of your voice, but the tenor of your voice changes your you energetically for me. So I need to be able to hear what you sound like yeah. to make a decision about whether or not, or just what, who you are, right? Um, there's some famous actors that, you know, I could point to that have like very distinct voices that are, you know, that's not what I expected. Right. And so it's just, that's so interesting. I think the qual the vocal quality of it's very telling too. And, and she just, there's something so, I don't know how to describe it, but it's so specific, her, her accent and her vocal quality and her, the, the little bit of fry that she has that it's so uh, agreeable, right? She's mad. And I believe her passion and her anger. And I also want to rally behind her. And instead of interpreting it, it did, I, I personally didn't interpret it as angry and like the sense that I, I don't know. It just, it felt impassioned to me. I don't really know how to describe it. And I feel, I feel like it, it just seems to be exactly what we needed. We all needed. Mm-hmm. And for her to respond like that and not even just to deliver like a speech, right. But to be mad for us, we needed mm-hmm. that. Oh yeah. It was like, she was mad for us for more than just yeah. <laughs> the side contract. Yeah, She was mad about everything. And I was like, yes, thank you. Finally, yeah. someone's like mad and showing us how vulnerable it is to be yeah. mad. Like her vulnerability in that moment was so important. And it's just like, I've been in those rooms with CSA. I've been in those negotiations. Not I'm not, I'm not on the, the steering committee for the Teamsters, but I have been in those rooms and I've seen some of that disgusting stuff that in general. And to be able to communicate that to everyone and to sell the idea that like what she saw was so disgusting to her that she couldn't possibly just stand here and deliver a speech. She has to tell you in the way that she has to tell you so that you can feel it too, so that you can get behind her and behind everyone and help, like help make a big change that needs to be made. Mm-hmm. 
right? I don't know. I was, I was very, I was stunned and I was like thrilled for, for all of you too in the moment because I was like, this is it. This is exactly what yeah. we need to move forward. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. I'm here for it. I'm really excited. Well said. I know you're really busy. You got to run, but oh my gosh, I'm so grateful you've spent some beautiful moments with me. Thank you so much for being vulnerable, saying yes and showing up. And I would love <laughs> anytime soon to have you back on She's All Over the Place just to add a lot of value and, and just share more stories. So it'd be my honor. I would love that. Yeah, I feel like there's never enough time. So <laughs> we'll do this again very soon. Yay, yay. And it'll be in the show notes too, but just so everyone can hear and know and click, um, how can they get in contact with you? What's the best way for them to approach you if they you know just want to connect to be an assistant or have questions or want to send you the reel? Like what that best way of contacting you uh, and then, you know, your website and social medias. Yeah. Yeah. I actually find socials to be the best way to get in co like contact with me. I think it's the cleanest way to deliver your, you know, who you are as a person and any real material you want to show me. Um, so Instagram, I am casting.amanda. So at casting.amanda and my website is castingbyamanda.com. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me on She's All Over the Place. Thank you for having me. It was such a delight and I can't wait to do it definitely, again. Definitely, definitely. Thank you so much for tuning in because of you, we're in the top 2% out of almost 4 million podcasts. Please subscribe, like, and share this with one person who you know is an entrepreneur, someone who's interested in entertainment. Uh, it's a really impactful, powerful episode. And because of you, we get to be here sharing these messages. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Kiriaki, over and out. Mm-hmm. <laughs>